Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast, where we take a behind-the-scenes, intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field. Welcome back to Behind the Knife. This is Kevin here. I just have a few announcements. Our Absite Companion Review Book is finally available in print edition uh, come mid-November. Uh, but before we released it, we wanted to make sure it was even better than the ebook. So we actually hired a top-notch illustrator that uh, illustrated multiple images for most of the chapters to help uh, emphasize the anatomy and physiology that's important to know for the Absite. So look forward to that in mid-November. We'll release an episode when that is uh, ready to go. Today's episode is a combined episode with Audible Bleeding, the vascular surgery podcast. We're going to have two episodes highlighting leaders in vascular and the exciting opportunities uh, that can be had with a career in vascular surgery. So please check out the Audible Bleeding podcast for vascular journal clubs, board review, debates, and interviews with leaders in vascular. I think those that are interested in a career in vascular and also for those on vascular surgery rotations or preparing for the boards will find this an excellent resource. Once again, Audible Bleeding. Uh, Let's dive into this uh, fantastic interview. Today we are lucky enough to have with us Dr. Bernadette. Olivola. She's a professor of vascular surgery and endovascular surgery and the division director of vascular surgery at Loyola University Medical Center. And we also have my co-host, Dr. Sony Nag and Dr. Sharif Alozi. Welcome, Dr. Olivola. Thanks. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And so really with this series, we're just trying to highlight vascular surgery and, and why general surgery trainees should consider it as a uh, career in you're recommended to us as a leader in the field, and uh, we thought we'd get your perspective. Can we just start out by telling us where you grew up and how you became interested in medicine? Sure. Well, I grew up about an hour east of Manhattan on Long Island, and I uh, had no exposure to medicine as a child. No one in my family was in the medical field. But during high school, my school offered an advanced anatomy course, which I jumped at the opportunity to participate in. And that really got me fascinated with anatomy and physiology. So that, I think, was uh, one of the first experiences I had that got me thinking about medicine as a field. And then in high school, I sought out this unique opportunity, and I did an internship at the Suffolk County Medical Examiner's Office. So I was able to interact with uh, the pathologists and think about toxicology and disease processes And by that point, I was more interested in human anatomy and physiology. So for me, it was just a fascinating area. And when I wound up applying for uh, college, I knew this was just a step towards medical school. So I had decided before college that I would be going on to medical school following that. Could you talk to us about your path through general surgery and then how you got interested in vascular surgery and decided to dedicate your career to this field? As a medical student, I was not exposed to vascular surgery at all. We, we only heard rumors about how busy the vascular surgery service was and, and how grueling it was for the general surgery residents, but I had a more limited experience with surgery as a student, and so I knew I was interested in a field that I could use my technical skills, and I was just drawn to the operating room. So it wasn't really until my residency at Rush and Cook County Hospital that I started to see vascular surgery as a potential field. 
And honestly, having some really strong and enthusiastic mentors during my surgery training had a huge impact, the draw of the vascular surgery field for me. We had a very strong experience as general surgery residents with a wide spectrum of vascular disease. We also saw a lot of vascular trauma at Cook County. And what I found was that six hours, seven hours in the operating room would go past like it was 20 minutes to me. It was it was just so interesting. And I didn't really feel the same way about other specialties in surgery. So to me, it was pretty obvious that vascular surgery, just so many things about it were where I wanted to be for the rest of my career. So Bernadette, who, who were the mentors that you found in, in residency and what was it that made them attractive and brought your interest into the field? Well, I worked with several vascular surgeons that really showed me different aspects of uh, what it was like to be a vascular surgeon. So Walt McCarthy, uh, who is a head of the vascular group at Rush, a very thoughtful individual, very patient. You know, I saw the interaction he had with his patients, and I really uh, admired that. And then at Cook County, I worked with two surgeons in particular who I felt like just had the enthusiasm that rubbed off on me a little bit. And, and those are Richard Keene and Giancarlo Piano. And those, that group of individuals, I felt like they were highly technically skilled. They related to their patients in a way that I didn't really think about before in a surgical field. Vascular surgeons develop these relationships with their patients that span over years. And, and that's really one of the things that I love about the field. So it was quite a few things that led me to become interested in vascular surgery as a resident. I, I saw that Dr. Piano recently passed away as well. I was, I was sorry to hear that. And it was yeah. quite, I guess, uh, quite moving how many people reached out about him and, and about the impact that he'd had on their careers as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. We just learned recently that he passed away from COVID-19 and I would say, you know, it's when you have a mentor or someone that you admire in the field, it's very impactful losing that person. And I just am thankful that I had the opportunity to work with those individuals during training. And really, I feel like during training, when you view individuals you can identify with and they practice in a way that you envision, the just the professionalism and attention to detail. Those are things I learned lessons from those individuals that I'll carry on throughout my whole career. Dr. Olivola, one of the things that attracted me to vascular was the collaborative nature of vascular surgery and how we get to operate all over the body and with total different specialties. Can you think of any collaborative cases that come to your mind that you participated in the past year that are interesting for our listeners or maybe one that you bailed out someone in trouble? Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because collaboration is one of the things that I love about vascular surgery. And there are very few other areas of medicine or surgery that we don't overlap. I do a lot of collaborative work with our spine surgeons. Actually, I do a lot of spine exposure for anterior spine interventions. And I find those cases, while we're not treating vascular disease, the cases and, and the technical aspects of it in the anatomy are really wonderful cases for teaching trainees and working alongside another team of surgeons to, to take care of a disease process. So not everything that we do is related to treating vascular disease, most of it. I also collaborate very frequently with our podiatry colleagues on limb salvage and really um, can't emphasize enough how important it is for 
all the different perspectives to go into a good outcome when it comes to taking care of a complex patient population. We were talking about trauma before too, and that's an area where we oftentimes get called for our expertise in problem solving. But a case recently with a gunshot wound through the neck and shoulder where there was a subclavian artery injury that we wound up stent grafting. And the patient did well, but we have very detailed conversation about all the different options on how to treat that, whether we fix something with surgical means or endovascular means. And I feel like those resources that we have, our, our tool set is so broad that really it applies to interaction with many different specialty colleagues that we collaborate with day to day. Dr. Olivola, um, I think the thoughtful, creative problem solving that you mentioned is definitely part of what attracted me to vascular surgery as well. You mentioned identifying with mentors and along those lines, what types of characteristics in a general surgery resident do you think make them a good fit for vascular? Well, I think the importance of being meticulous and detail-oriented can't be underscored enough when it comes to vascular surgery. So I think residents that pay attention to detail, that put a lot of thought into case planning, and also appreciate the complexity of the patient population, those are residents that are interested. I also feel like it's a field with tons of innovation and changing technology. And so for trainees that are interested in that aspect of things, I think that it's a field that's evolving you know, quite rapidly, and it always stays interesting. What training pathways do you have available at Loyola? Do you guys have a fellowship and an integrated residency, or what, what do you have currently? We have a two-year fellowship, and we just learned this week that we secured funding to start up an integrated program. So we hope to, we won't go through the match this year, but we hope to bring that all together in time to bring a resident in out of the match in July of 2021. So we've been working for a while on developing an integrated program. We just recruited a faculty member who trained in that pathway. So all of our other faculty members trained the traditional route doing general surgery first, but we're really excited to be able to expand our our education program. So that's something that's been in the works for a while, and we're hoping that we we're able to come through with that this year. Congratulations. That's great news. One thing I hear a lot of general surgery residents, and it actually was a a major apprehension of mine, was, hey, we love the open vascular surgery. It's awesome. It's so much fun. But man, it is not fun watching endovascular (laughs) surgery. And and it really is a barrier for people considering vascular surgery. I'm just curious how you uh, came to learn endovascular and and where it fits as far as your joy level now compared to open surgery. Yeah, when I trained as a general surgery resident, I made a decision on vascular based on the open surgery. That's most of what I saw. I think I scrubbed into a few EVARs. They they didn't make sense to me. So I think standing and watching an endovascular case, it's a little bit more challenging to get engaged and to visualize what's going on. So most of the endovascular training I had was during my fellowship. And I actually trained alongside a few interventional radiologists in addition to the, some of the younger faculty at, at the time at my, where I did my fellowship at Beth Israel Deaconess in Boston. I had the endovascular skills. 
But basically, I learned it then. Right now, my perspective is if I weren't doing the endovascular component of what I can do, I would feel like I was operating with one hand tied behind my back because it just opens up doors to really making the right decision for the patient. And I I try to emphasize that with the residents that come through and also the students that we interact with is there is a huge luxury to being able to have such a broad skill set where we can decide which, which type of treatment or a combination of open surgery and endovascular interventions make sense for a particular patient's problem at a particular point in time. And I couldn't imagine it any other way. To me, it's what keeps it more interesting, honestly. I, I agree 100%. I think vascular is afforded a certain amount of creativity because we have so many treatment options and you can individualize the care of the patient. And, and that's one of the really nice things about the field. So speaking of the creativity and the planning and the thought process that goes into cases in vascular, do you have any interesting cases in the past year that you could tell us about that our our listeners might find interesting? I did have one case uh, a few months back, a patient who came to me for treatment and surveillance of aneurysms. And so he was a patient who years back had a ruptured aortic aneurysm and underwent an open repair. And he showed up for surveillance and we screened him for other aneurysms. And he had developed large iliac aneurysms. And also he had bilateral popliteal aneurysms and a common femoral aneurysm. And I thought this was a patient that sort of uh, represents a more extensive aspect of aneurysm disease processes. Uh, And we sat down and I I literally drew out a map for the patient and uh, explained how we would stepwise work from one aneurysm to the next in treating him. The interesting part also was that we had, like we mentioned before, a bunch of different options in terms of open surgery or endovascular. So we wound up fixing one popliteal aneurysm with a surgical bypass and then the other. And then I wound up doing some iliac branch grafts on both of his iliac arteries, bridging it into his prior graft. I find it fun in these cases to draw a picture of these things for the patients so that they can visualize these But it illustrates an example of a patient who will need lifelong surveillance and a patient where they sort of have to think through a stepwise process of triaging the different issues and putting together all the endovascular and open surgical skills to get a good outcome. If I can just uh, backtrack for a second, just to bring up a question that was a common theme on the fellowship interview trail, how do you see the integrated and traditional pathways interacting going forward? Well, I think they're very complementary. From the standpoint of training programs, now I have the perspective only as having been a program director of a a fellowship program, but there is a wide array of opportunity for both types of learners, even in the same institution, to interact and to develop graduated experience and autonomy. And I I think the end product is a highly skilled vascular surgeon, regardless of the training program. If I had exposure to vascular surgery as a student and I had the opportunity to do an integrated program, I would have jumped at it if I knew that was what I wanted to do. But I think it's a field that learners have the luxury of entering through several different pathways. And not everyone knows at the medical student level that they would commit to a career in vascular surgery. We were talking about the integrated program before and 
at our site, we debated shutting down the fellowship a few years back to dedicate our training program to resident, integrated resident trainees. And I, I felt pretty strongly that my dedication to both training paradigms was you know, strong enough that I wanted to move forward with trying to get both. This way we can integrate the two together at our hospital system. You know, I, I think that really shows good insight, but I've found, so I, when I was at Sinai, we had an integrated program and a fellowship. At NYP, we only have a fellowship, but I found that both the integrated residents and the fellows learned a lot from each other. And the fellows served as mentors for a lot of the integrated residents. And since they had a different training path, they could teach them different things about like team management. And I thought that it, I think both are better for the presence of the other. I know that they feel that there's like a tension between having an integrated residence and a, fe- and a fellowship, but I think they make each other better. One, one question I have for both of you guys is, I, I know one fear that is mentioned and concern as a general surgery resident, is there still going to be vascular surgery slots in two years, five years from now when we're applying and, and have those numbers been going up and down? How many slots are there? I know the answers to this, but I, I'm curious uh, what you would say, Dr. Alozzi and Dr. Alavola. I'll defer to Bernadette. Yeah, a lot has changed since I handed on the program director role to Dr. Bishara at our site. So I'm maybe less in the loop now, but fellowship programs are not going away. And while integrated training programs are increasing in numbers around the country, the numbers of vascular surgery fellowship programs are not plummeting. So I I think there will uh, be a reason to keep both training paradigms going forward. I would say they serve different purposes, but there are benefits to, to both. You, you can, I'm asked a lot, would I have done it differently? Or is there benefit to general surgery training? I, I personally value my general surgery training, but on the flip side, like I said before, if I knew I uh, had the opportunity to go straight into a vascular residency and I had the exposure to be able to make that decision, I would probably do that in this day and age. What do you think, Sharif? I would agree on, on both points. I know that Dr. Macaroon, during his presidency of the SVS, the workforce issue was really one of the tantamount things that he was uh, trying to address. And so I think that there is a demand for vascular surgeons that's still unmet. And so it's not that there's a limited number of spots. And I think, again, I didn't have the insight. I shifted my interest during residency three or four times to what I wanted to be until I finally found a mentor similar to what everybody else has said. So I didn't know in medical school about vascular surgery. If I knew, it's hard to argue against a shorter training pathway and you start making a real living. And and I think both pathways are comparable. But many people realize once they've been a resident for a couple of years, what they like, and they realize that the vascular fits. And so I think there's always going to be a need for a, a postgraduate fellowship. Sony, do you want to jump in with another question at this point? Sure, let me just... Sony's, Sony's recently gone through the, the interview trail, so she's got all the, she's got, you got like uh-huh. the, the types of questions. Uh, yeah. that, uh, uh, certainly, I, I know what general surgery residents are thinking because I am one. <laughs> what they're worried yeah. about, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we ask most of our interviewers is if they have any tips or tricks for residents in terms of getting out of trouble in the OR. And, and Kevin specifically wanted you to maybe tailor this to if you have any tips or tricks on spine cases, because he's just started his practice and he's now going to be the spine exposure guy there. So I think there's a little self-interest in this question. But the- <laughs> uh, There are a lot of technical tips to spine exposure. We were 
chatting uh, amongst a, uh, a group of colleagues recently, all sharing how we actually have this common practice of almost closing your eyes and doing that blunt dissection in the retroperitoneum. Like there's a feel for it that you have in terms of getting into the right plane and following that plane, staying extra peritoneally. And that may go for a lot of different areas of vascular surgery. When I'm operating, I'm envisioning the anatomy. I've seen the images and I know what's where. This is even helpful when you're doing a redo groin. And part of it is translating what you know about the imaging into a a vision in your mind in 3D that you are working with as you do the dissection. So yeah, for spine exposures, my main tips are stay conservative, mobilize things very meticulously. And there are some key steps to vascular control that are important if you get into bleeding, which is one of the most feared things in spine exposure. But if you take the time to do things right, that very rarely happens. I I usually find myself telling the interns, if you see bleeding, just put pressure on it. (laughs) One of the very basic things, just immediately put pressure on it. But there are lots of different tips and tricks in navigating around the, the body. Some of those, many of those I learned from my general surgery mentors during surgery training. So try to keep those tips in mind as I work. Well, as we close this out, I think one other thing that comes to my mind when choosing a specialty is vascular is very busy and we work hard, but would you say say that vascular surgeons are able to have a a good lifestyle if they set up their practice to allow that? I think that's one of the things I love about this field. Honestly, there are so many different ways to mold a career in vascular surgery, both from the standpoint of the clinical practice to uh, standpoints regarding what type of practice or whether one does academics or research or that type thing. From a clinical standpoint, it's great. So Even within our group here at Loyola, we have several surgeons who, you know, limit their practice to what they enjoy and do certain types of vascular surgery. For the surgeon later in the career who wants to maybe slow down or decrease the stress level, there are opportunities to transition to things like vein or hemodialysis access practice. I think for most of us, we enter the field because we love the, the adrenaline rush of those emergent and high complexity cases. But what I love about a typical work week is the clinical part of things spans from a case that's very straightforward and elective. You could sit down for, you know, a AV fistula or something to getting woken up at two in the morning and do a ruptured aneurysm. To me, that's the exciting part of what we do. I don't know if I could do the emergent type of surgery 24-7, but the spectrum in the typical vascular surgeon's work week really just keeps it interesting, right? No two days are the same. It's high and low complexity. You get to operate everywhere in the body. We're not just focused on one little region, yet we're specialists in vascular disease processes. So that's the other thing I love about what we do is understanding the medical management of vascular disease plays almost as important a role in a good outcome as the technical parts of the surgical procedure. It's really a field where I feel like it, it keeps it interesting day to day. The career is malleable. You can change the types of clinical problems that you treat throughout the course of your career if that's what you choose to do. There are areas to focus on. 
So there are just lots of opportunities to to navigate through that. It's not an easy career, (laughs) yet somehow we figure out ways of melding it with other interests, family life, other things like surgical education and research. So I think there are just plenty of opportunities to tailor the career that make it very attractive, in my opinion. Well, I think that you have just put forward a very coherent and compelling argument for why general surgeons should really consider career in vascular. I think that the, you know, that's a lot of what brought me to the field and what makes me still excited about every day and, and appreciate taking the time to discuss this with us, Bernadette. No problem. Uh, do you have any last thoughts for the listeners or I'm not sure how to follow up beyond that? Well, that was great. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. The only last thing I would say is, you know, I tell medical students and trainees when they pick a career, look at who you're surrounded by. There are vascular surgery colleagues nationally and internationally that are just incredibly awesome people. They are passionate about what they do. They're kind, they're collaborative. So I may be biased, but I think that the vascular surgery field is a very welcoming field that offers lots of opportunities. The people, you know, it's my vascular surgery family. So I really enjoy being part of the field just because of the people that surround me. Thank you very much. That was really fun. Thank you. Great. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Oliver. One thing that just hit my mind is what we should do with these episodes, Dr. Lizzie, is we should find a way to get general surgery residents mentors. Like if, if they're at a community program or something or somewhere where they don't have a lot of vascular, in case there are people that want a mentor, like, hey, email this email address and we'll find mentors. So we're still recording. Bernadette, do you have any thoughts on how to do this? Uh, In fact, I do. So, you know, our Society for Vascular Surgery has a wonderful mentorship platform. And there's the SVS Connect, which is a platform through our main national society, the Society for Vascular Surgery, where medical students, general surgery residents who are interested could create a profile. And wonderful individuals are signed up to be mentors. I happen to be one of them. So it's an opportunity. And honestly, I have students and surgery trainees who reach out to me and they click a box. I want, I'm reaching out to you to be my mentor. And I think this is especially important for trainees at programs that don't have vascular training programs or may not have a large or academic vascular departments. So not all, we know not all general surgery residents have the opportunity for mentorship locally. So I would say, check it out. It's vascular.org and SVS Connect. And residents can also become members of the Society for Vascular Surgery. And that puts them right in touch with all sorts of opportunities for programs that are designed for residents. I One of my jobs is I chair the resident and student outreach committee for the SVS, and we're constantly thinking of ways for providing opportunities for trainees and students to get more information about vascular surgery. And not only that, but to connect with vascular surgeons who are passionate about what they do and interested in mentorship. So that's a long answer to your question, but there are routes for that that are formal. And so I would encourage anyone listening or interested in this to check out vascular.org or reach out to your local vascular surgeon. Yeah. Ask the right person. 
So we'll include a link to uh, that in our show notes, and we'll include a link to Dr. Olivola's specific page so you can request her for your mentor if you want. Uh, just warning you, Bridita, you may get the deluged with requests. Do you have a mentor profile? You better put one on there. I, I, I will. I'll create one. I didn't realize okay. that was even available. So now I, yeah. I've learned something as well. Uh, but no, I think that's great. All right. Good. Uh, fantastic. Until next time, dominate the day. Dominate the day.